Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. And here I am again. I have found yet another amazing heart-centered leader. I'm excited to introduce you today to Sandy Olson. Let me tell you a little bit about her. I love that she starts her bio with her family. Sandy lives with her husband, Norm, in Anaheim Hills, California. She has three grown children and a gorgeous, beautiful yellow lab called Georgia. She's also Nana to the nine loves of her life. She has worked in the business world since she was 20, and she has been teaching and leading Bible studies and small groups for various organizations and churches. She has also facilitated retreats and women's events for over three decades and has a bachelor's degree in political science and law from Chapman University in Southern California. Sandy has a deep-seated passion for women and really helping them see how they can change their life. She founded the Master's Program for Women in 2000 and started teaching classes on strategic life coaching and also leading on a national and international level. She's been mentoring women in business and entrepreneurs for over 15 years. So Sandy, welcome to the show. My cursor just went crazy. I'm so sorry, Deb. No worries. This is the imperfect podcast. We we ebb and flow. Delightful to have you on the show, Sandy. Thank you. I am so excited to be here as well. Well, one of the things that I love is you use a lot of different terms and titles and statures in, in your leadership speak. So explain why you, my first question is, why have you chosen to use the word mentoring or mentorship? And why do you feel it's so crucial for inspiration? You know, mentoring to me has been very, I think, been very organic. Somebody asked me the question not too long ago, you know, how I got started with mentoring. And I had to kind of stop and think about it. And I thought, well, it really kind of started all the way back with my dad. You know, he was really my first mentor. And I looked up to him immensely and he really, he really poured his work ethic into us and his viewpoint of life. And then my very first job, I worked for a gentleman called Charles Alford and I was like 20 and he was just this wonderful older gentleman that really taught me and allowed me to fail and allowed me to grow. And he was wonderful. He actually invented the riveting machine for the aerospace industry. And I learned so much from him. And then I think I realized that my mentorship and love of mentoring really sort of started to birth and to bloom when I started teaching the master's program for women. 
and I was able to come alongside of women and pour my my life into them and and see them grow and help them to to understand what their path wanted what they wanted their path to look like where where do they want to be where do they want to go and what does that look like I wanted to ask you was it your observation or just kind of a burning desire in your heart for change what led you to have the creativity and the passion and really innovation and progression to create that master's program. And it's it's so fun for me to say 2000, because here we are 21 years later, and I can only imagine how many stories and memories you've engraved on your heart. So take us back to when you thought, I need to create this program. Oh, that's that's really interesting, because I was working in an office. I was kind of like the office manager, and I did the books and whatnot. And the gentleman that I worked for at the time was asked to step away and be the the associate pastor of a very large church here in Southern California. And he he never really desired to be a pastor, but he it was interim, so he took he took it. And then he uh, he ended up stepping away. The church merged; they got a new pastor. He ended up stepping away. And he spent three years with a gentleman out of Dallas by the name of Bob Buford, who had written a lot of books on life leadership. And in the next three years, he wrote all of this curriculum for the master's program, but he wrote it for men because he had a heart for businessmen. So he wrote this, all this curriculum, and there was a few of us gals who were on staff with him, and we wanted to know what he had been working on. So we went through the curriculum together, just us girls. And I don't know, Deb, somewhere along the road, some switch was flipped, and I just loved what he had written. You know, I called him up and I said, Bob. I know that you wrote this curriculum for men, and I know that's your heart. You never have women in mind, but I would like to start teaching this to women because I think it really has value. And, you know, to his credit, he said, well, go for it. And so in 2000, I, I got some eight to 12 women together in a living room in Newport Beach and started going through the curriculum. And uh, it just sort of grew from there and went national, went international. I was traveling all over, you know, teaching, teaching the program to women. And that's when I think that this whole mentorship, this love was just kind of being birthed during that whole time. And just having the openness and the observation and, and look what you've created. And does it seem like it's been 21 years? No, yeah. it does not. What a lovely element to your legacy. Thank you. Thank you. I turned it over three years ago to, to a gal who really was my heir apparent. I mean, I had been grooming her. I had thinking, you know, everybody kept saying, well, you have to have a succession plan. You know, you have to figure out what what it's going to look like. And I and I knew, I knew that I would know when it was time. And I did, and that was about three years ago. And she is doing an amazing, amazing job. And I was able to step away and then pour my heart into just one on one mentoring 
you know, with women and, and groups locally. So, well, yeah. kudos to you. And, you know, sometimes leaders have a difficult decision executing that succession plan. So, but again, it's engraved in your heart. It's part of your legacy. And to think it was 21 years ago, it probably seems like yesterday. It does. It truly does. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Okay. My third question has permanent residency on the show. What imperfections does Sandy bring to her heart-centered leadership? Well, something that, that I was just thinking about yesterday is that I know for sure that I don't always take the time to reflect. And one of my mentors is John Maxwell. He's been a mentor of mine personally and professionally for years. And he he always says that, you know, experience is not the best teacher, but it's the reflection on that experience that's the teacher. And I was just thinking about this last couple of days. When I when I take the time to do this, I know that to be true. I need to slow down. I need to take a breath. I need to think and reflect. So that just popped into my mind because that was just on my mind the last couple of days thinking, Sandy, you're not doing this. You're not taking the time to slow down and reflect and learn. Well, I'm going to align with you. I became a yoga teacher four years ago. And it was so interesting. I had so many colleagues say, why do you want to be a yoga teacher? I was always a yoga enthusiast. I loved going to yoga. I loved doing at home online because I wanted to become a better listener. And I wanted to hone the ability to create the white, white space in my schedule to reflect. And that thinking time, that solace, that quiet. And I don't have to tell you this because you're an international leader and you've done so much. There is always the opportunity to find the clarity over the chaos when you get quiet. Mm -hmm. The answer's in the pause. So mm -hmm. I, I love the way you frame that. It's beautiful. Okay, my fourth leadership question, and I'm very excited to hear the answer to this. One of the things that you like to talk about or a phrase that you like to say is everything falls and rises on leadership. I would love for you to unpack this for us and the listeners and tell us where does that phrase come from and what does it mean to you? Well, it's actually a, a John Maxwell phrase. He truly believes that that leadership is influence. And that that everything rises and falls on leadership. And boy, isn't that the truth? Because when we, when we see or we have to work for, you said you worked for four women bosses that may not have been your perfect choice along the line. We've all had bad bosses. We've all had people that we've been connected with that we wouldn't necessarily say they were a good leader. And, you know, my desire is to make a difference. I show up. I try to listen. I try to be heartfelt. I try to, you know, some of the things about heart-centered leadership is I want to be authentic. I want to be unashamed. 
of my leadership and my leadership style. I want to be real and honest. And so to me, when I think about everything rises and falls on leadership, you know, those are the qualities that I want to bring to my leadership. And I want to bring that to everyone that I mentor and everyone that I come in contact with it because it is all about influence. If people don't like you, they won't buy from you. If people don't like you, they don't want to work with you. And if people don't like you, you have no influence. And influence versus control is a Mm -hmm. big, a big moment to sit back and reflect on, because I think sometimes that gets a little foggy or a little muddy for some people. And you framed it very beautifully. And to me, it's all about the epitome or definition from my vantage point that heart-centered leadership is truly our connection with people. Yes. All right. I'm going to switch gears and do my fast fab four. These are just four fun questions. We just want to know what's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind, kind of that, that gut answer we want out of you. First question, tell us something that we don't know about Sandy. Well, I'll be a little vulnerable here and say that, um, that still after 40 years of being a recovering codependent, I still struggle finding my voice sometimes. You know, I can, I can still lose my confidence and trip up over what others think. Um, thankfully, not often, but it's just one of those, those things that people wouldn't really know that about me. I've, I've learned how to cover very well, but it's, it's always just one of those little things that just kind of shows up every now and then. Well, and I, I love that you shared that and that you were vulnerable because who doesn't feel that? And I think when we express those feelings, those thoughts, those emotions, I think it just gives us further alignment as a global community. Mm. And I, I've often said on the show here, I've had this conversation with many men and women leaders, the hardest weight loss that we endure in our lifetime is the weight of other people's opinions. Oh, wow. Oh, Deb. Yeah. Love that. Great answer. Thank you for your, for your honesty. I love that. Okay. Second, second question. Finish this sentence for me. Heart-centered leadership is? I think the two words would be authentic and unashamed because that unashamed kind of falls into that, that wanting to please. And, and not always thinking that you're, you like who you, who you are. So presenting, presenting yourself that way, being real, being honest. To me, that's where relationship all comes from. And, and we can't build a rapport with someone. I can't build a rapport with the, with the women that I mentor if I'm not authentic and real. Because I'm wanting them to be authentic and real. So I have to give them that back in return. Well, you have to model what you're trying to achieve. And you can't do that just with words. The behavior has to align with the verbal expression, right? Yeah, I love that. Okay, third question. Share with us a book that you have read recently or you want to read or maybe one that you've read that has just always stuck with you both in your mind and your heart. 
Well, I'm currently reading the manuscript of a book that a friend of mine just wrote and asked me to read and sort of edit it for her. And wow, I mean, that's an honor, right? I mean, it really is. And this talk about being authentic. This is a book that she unashamedly describes her growing up as a woman of color and how it has shaped her life. And, you know, the title is The First, The Only, The Few. She's just a beautiful woman. I love her, Pamela Lee. And uh, so I am really honored to be able to read this manuscript. And it's, well, it just brings me to tears. Well, and, and now I have to have a follow-up question to that. Uh, were you a mentor for her? She actually went through one of my classes for the master's program for women when I was teaching it in Houston. So I got to know her through through that. So yes, I guess you could say I... I That's lovely. You know, it's interesting. Years ago, I taught at our local college and I remember a fellow college instructor saying to me, Deb, you may never know the imprint you've had on your students' lives ever or for decades to come. And it was about 10 years after I had uh, stopped teaching because I, I had two little girls and just had to, I had to clear the slate a little bit. And this is long before email and cell phones. And I remember I was on the news for a conference I was having. And I had about a half a dozen students reach out and say, when you said this, or when you taught us this, this is where I landed up going. And it really, I can see and hear in your voice how it's engraved on your heart that she had asked you. But there was something that you said that aligned with her, spoke to her, and here you are now editing her book. And it's just, I always call them like full circle moments. And you just think, wow, like I said this and and you felt that. And so our actions and our heart-centered leadership, that, that authentic behavior, sometimes you may not know for, for years to come. And, and what a beautiful example you just gave by editing Pamela's book. I'm I'm just honored. Thank you. That's beautiful. Okay. My last question is, what is one thing that you would love for our listeners to remember about you? Well, I'm going to quote a phrase from a friend of mine that I absolutely love. She says, ignorance on fire is better than perfection on ice. And that really resonated with me because of some of the things that I struggle with. And I would much rather be ignorance on fire and have that passion and willingly admit that I'm ignorant of so many things I just don't know. I'm always learning. I'm always growing. And I love that. And I do that with others. We, you know, we're better together, right? We really are. Um, so I, I just would like to challenge everyone hearing this to, to think about that, to think about whether ignorance on fire is better than perfection on ice. And what is, what does that mean to you? And, and how would you unwrap that for yourself? Well, I think it opens up such a nice conversation. Look at the name of my podcast, 
imperfection, imperfect. We are all imperfect. So I'm with your friend. I love that quote. I have never heard that before. To me, I would rather be ignorance on fire because one of the heart-centered leadership qualities that I have on my poster is the ability to fail forward. So wouldn't you love to fail forward than die not trying? Absolutely. And perfection on ice, perfection can stay there because it's a it can freeze because it is an intangible reality. And I'd rather fail forward, be progressive, get back up, try again. And I always joke, we've had many conversations on the podcast where people have, we've had a laugh where some people love giving advice on how to run your business and they don't own a business. So we just love them from afar and exude our heart-centered leadership. You know, it's stepping out of that uncomfortable place, sticking your toe outside that circle of discomfort. For me, and again, I'd love to just end the show with this. Whenever I feel super tired or fatigued or foggy, Claude Silver calls it crunchy. I always know I'm right on the doorstep to the next thing I've been working on. I don't, I don't even know how else to frame that. What is that for you? What is that feeling or that uncomfort when you know something's coming or you've been working on something or how do you verbally express that? Or how does it feel in your own body, whether it's physical or emotional? It's that unsettledness. I feel like sometimes my mind is just going in and it's scattered. Just like you said, crunchy. It, 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 I, I'm here and I'm there and I'm here and I'm there and I can't, I can't let it go. It just keeps showing up and showing up and, and it'll, it'll show up in different forms while I'm sort of struggling through it before I actually land it. And, and I have to be careful to land it with the right people. Absolutely. And I I align as a woman entrepreneur with you. And for me, the yoga teacher always says, you need to go meditate some more today. It's time to sit in the chair, lie on the bed, get back on the yoga mat. You know, it goes back to that time of reflection. You know, some of our best ideas come out of silence and the pause and the clarity's there, but we can't see it or hear it when we're in the muddy waters of chaos. I am just uh, honored that you wanted to be on the show. I'm so glad our paths have crossed, Sandy. I look forward to continuing conversations with you. And I want to thank you for your time and your expertise. But more importantly, thank you for sharing your heart with us today. Thank you, Deb. Thank you. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.